Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. Patrick is a special brother that... How did we even meet you? By miracles. <laughs> Does he have sound in that mic? Yes. Yes, I think I do. Okay, good, you do. Uh, so how did we meet you again? We met through uh, Kyle. Kyle. Yes. And I met Kyle through Peter. And I met Peter through Abner. The point of that is that a, a kingdom connection leads to more kingdom connections. The fruit, fruit always bears after its own kind. So one of the beauties of when, you, when God connects you with kingdom people is that more kingdom people are connected to that kingdom person. So you can already know that if this person is closely connected to me, they're not a joke. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. Um, and so we don't, we don't have people in the pulpit that are, that are not serious. Um, so I'm super honored to have Patrick with us. Patrick is Brett's cousin, his first cousin. And, uh, and so this is just a tremendous time. And I have this other mic here because what I want to do is I want to draw out some stuff from the women because they're here and um, it's really hard to express in honesty how much we appreciate them, our wives, because wives, I mean one singular wife, but his wife and my wife. You got to be specified that. Because some of the tribes have multiple wives and stuff. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, we just have one wife here, so, and that's, that's enough. So, you know, it's very difficult to express how much they do that allows us to do what it is that we do. And so the level of inconvenience and scrap and just different things that they go through is really... Uh, stunning and and so we're we just honor you ladies because we we would not be able to do what we do without you and whenever you're doing something kingdom it requires all hands on deck and everyone giving their best so people are like a marriage is 50 50 that's why you have a terrible marriage a marriage is a hundred and ten and a hundred and ten so so that idea of 50 50 and the idea of doing things halfway, that's not going to create anything in your life that's good. And so, um, anyway, we're going we're gonna to get into this. So, Patrick, how old are you? 39. 39. And, and where are you living now? In Edmonton, Alberta. Edmonton, Alberta. And so, um, tell us a little bit about how you got there because your family's from Congo. And, and what happened? Uh, so before I start maybe answering that question, uh, I'm truly honored to be in this church. I, I follow you online, and uh, this church has been my church in the distance, and you guys, you are really blessed to have a leader like Pastor Adam. Uh, it was really truly my blessing for myself to connect. I have learned a lot, and for the mission trip which we did, it was a truly touching to myself. Coming back to the question, uh, so 
Thank you. I never knew 26 years ago that I would be sitting in America or America existed. <laughs> uh, or, or if I ever want to be in the US or outside where I was born. There are things which happen in our life so that it can be a blessing to others and a blessing to ourselves. We may go through tragedy, uh, the events which are so bad into our life so that it, we are going to be a testimony to others. Yes. So in 1994, there was a genocide in Rwanda which consumed over a million, close to a million Tutsis. You can ask yourself, why does Rwanda is connected with the Congo? But unfortunately, uh, when the war finished, when the genocide finished, people crossed into the Congo and they perceived us to be Tutsis, which in, in Rwanda there is uh, two, two tribes, in the Congo there is over 200 tribes. And all people identify themselves differently. So when those guys reached in, in, in the Congo, they, conf they, they confused our, our tribe mates that we are not true Congolese, that we are foreigners who are occupying their land. Honestly, my great-great-grandfather was born in the Congo. I have been in Canada for less than 15 years, and I have a passport here. And when I'm at the airport, I'm called Canadian. Here in the United States, people who are here for five years, 10 years, they are US citizen. My great-grandfather is more than 200 years. So anyway, the discrimination, when they talk about discrimination, normally people think it's colors, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> I'm here in, the, in, the, in Canada or in the US as a result of discrimination. Long story short, it was really tragic for us to live from our village, ending up in a refugee camp. Back home, we used to live in a five-bedroom house in a refugee camp. We are really in a very small shack. Actually, I had brought a picture to show people, but forgot it in the car. To see where God can remove you and put you. So sometimes when we are going through difficult times, there is a purpose so that we can be testimony for others. We are not going to have a testimony if there is no problems which we encounter. We are not going to stand in front of people and say how good God is unless if we went through a lot. So uh, normally people we always refer the Bible and the Bible is our principle. But right now, Bible can be my reference, but what have gone into my life, into your life, if you look carefully, it's, it's a testimony that God lives. It's a testimony that the miracle still happens. Yes. And so the reason I have him here is because we're going to touch on the testimony. And there's a lot in scripture that talks about the testimony, but your testimony is part of the way you demonstrate and communicate and share your faith. And so what he's saying is important because, for example, the Bible as Christians is our reference point, right? But when you're talking to people who don't believe the Bible, you cannot hold people to a standard that they don't believe in. Now, when they die, that's going to be the standard. But that's not our starting point. So our starting point with bringing people to faith in Christ is not the most difficult passages in the Old Testament, but it's the centrality of Christ and it's the crucifixion and the resurrection 
and our faith is in that, and then that helps people reconcile the rest of the Bible. If you don't see the Bible through the cross and the resurrection, you're going to have a real, real difficult time with the Bible. And it's very dangerous to begin to judge what's going to judge you, uh, but that's where our culture is. And so if we want to reach our culture, we have to meet our culture where they are, not where we think they should be or where we hope they'd be or where they should be, but where they actually are. Ministry always starts with where people are. When God found Saul, which we're going to get into a little bit, it was Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was literally an opponent to everything God was doing. And there the Lord appeared to him and called him. And if you, if you read the book of Acts, which we're going to get into the testimony, you'll find in the book of Acts that the story of Saul um, becoming eventually Paul is retold. And also his name had to be changed because Saulos in, in the Greek culture means like an effeminate walk. And so he, had to, he was transformed, but his name had to be changed because his name didn't represent the walk of his actual life. So that's another whole story there. Um, but, but it's only in saying yes to Jesus and learning to follow Jesus that there's a, there's a transformation that takes place in our life. Now, when you read the biblical narrative, the biblical narrative doesn't retell Pentecost three times. The biblical narrative retells Saul encountering Jesus three times. In Acts 9, in Acts 22, and in Acts 26, three times this story is retold by Luke. And every time the story is retold, the encounter is magnified. The light is magnified. If you read it very, very carefully, there, there's a, there is a magnification in the story. It's, like, it's almost like the encounter grows as it's told. This is very, very important because you have to learn how to tell your testimony, but in a way that is consolidated. When we talk too long and too much, we lose people. Yes. You may like to listen for an hour, but most people don't want to do that. And so we have to learn how to consolidate and make what we're saying clear and concise so it can be heard and so people can then chew on it. So now let me ask you this. So you're in a shack in Kayakatu, which is a refugee camp where some of us were earlier this year, right? Mm -hmm. um, how did you get out of there? Because it's almost impossible to get out. How did you get out? So it was by miracle. My dad had remained in Congo after two years as being in a refugee camp, when he, after him crossing into the refugee camp, we are able, he was able to come up with some funds, then we moved inside the Kampala. So miraculously, you got funds from your father, and then you went to Kampala. How did you get to Canada? So I had a, a, a brother, a brother in Christ, so who sponsored me through in Canada, uh, that's why, that's how I ended up in Canada. But coming back to just in, a, in that shack, there is something which you do uh, sometime and you, we rate it very small. I will never forget one time we were sitting uh, outside in, a, in our small shack and there was two missionaries from the US who went through the, that, it was towards like 23rd of, uh, of 23rd of December, 
like two days towards the Christmas. And these two angels left donation for us $20, which was equivalent to $20. People of God, when, uh, when the pastor is asking people to go to the mission trip, you will never know what you saw until you see the fruits. So until today, I think that $20 meant a lot because we had nothing absolutely to eat. Then those, those angels gave us that $20 and we were able to, to eat for like how many days? Up to now, I still remember because it was an act of love. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. So he still remembers a seed, a gift of love. Jesus said, you know, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to him. And so this is, this is important. So now, how did you, so you had a friend who sponsored you, right? Mm -hmm. And then what do you do in Canada? What is your profession? So I'm a social worker. I work with children as well as the adults and as assistant pastor in the church which we, we are in. That's beautiful. So I, I want to just... I wanted you to hear a little bit about his story because Patrick is someone that we feel that we are called to have a significant relationship with. And in, in, in the church here, we are, we are about relationship. The kingdom moves at the speed of relationships. Trust is the currency of relationships. And um, to find good relationships is a God thing. God sets you up with people and you have to learn to discern and recognize the people that God has brought in because God wants to move significantly through these relationships. And it was, it was nice to meet Kyle on the trip and, and meet Peter. But I want to just say briefly, for me, in 2019, my mother had just recently passed away. And I was on a trip to uh, Ivory Coast. Uh, speaking to leaders, and I wrote a book that actually my country translated. Um, and so uh, if you know who my country is, you know who I'm referring to. Um, and so I was speaking uh, in at a pastor's conference in Ivory Coast, Africa, and I did a little book signing thing, and they were really receptive and hungry. And um, we did a clean water project there as well. And so we were ministering among tribes and... Um, to make a long story short, on my rest day, the Lord said, in the next 10 years, you're going to go back and forth to Africa. And, you know, for those of you who know us, we have a great love for Haiti. We've been in Haiti a long time. And Haiti is, is like Africa. I mean, anyway. So I, I didn't really have, like, Africa in my mind in that way, but God had it in his heart. And so the question is, for all of us that we have to ask ourselves, is there space in your heart for what God wants to do. See, when you allow things to live in your heart that don't belong there, there's not space for God, what God wants to put in there. So when you have all this bitterness, this unforgiveness, this trauma, all these things, all these unresolved conflicts that bring confusion into your life, you don't have space for compassion. Yes. You, you don't have space for others. You don't have, you're, you're all focused on yourself. And so, you know, you, most people, they start excited and fizzle out because they don't allow God to do the deep work within. 
And, and, you know, God is not impressed in sporadic, spontaneous combustion. God is about slow burn. Yes. You tell me you're on fire for Jesus. Let's see, let's see how you're doing in 10 years. When you start ministry, ministry people go, we'll let you fend for yourself, and in five years we'll help you. We'll see if you can make it. Seriously. We had, we had people that apologized to us and said, you know, we had a, me and my wife had people say, we thought you were going to fail. I mean, these are people of faith. Not your angry dad who was a drunk. Imagine, you know, imagine people, pastors and leaders are supposed to believe in you, telling you we think you're going to fail. It's like, that's amazing. With leaders like you, I mean, it's just crazy. So, so anyway, you know, you, you have to allow the Lord to work in you because it's easy to go and do something. Everyone wants to go and do something. I'm going to go on a trip, do something, do something, feel good, do something. Wait a second. It's harder to get people to be consistent here than it is to go on a trip for a week. Mm. I mean, so allow, and I don't say that in a, in, a, in a negative way. I'm saying that to say, allow God to do the deep inner work in your heart so what he's planting in your life is sustainable because the question always is, is there room in your heart for what God wants to do? Because you have 500 excuses as to why you can't. And some of them may seem valid to you. But as I spoke to you guys last week, when you stand before Jesus, there will be no excuse that's valid. No excuse. And I just want to prepare you for that day because you, you can't be, you can't sit here and go, oh, he didn't tell me. You're in the wrong place, you know. Uh, so, so, you know, but, but anyway. So now Patrick, um, he spends his time helping disturbed white people. <laughs> so, because there's a lot of disturbed white people. Um, and, and, and so that's what he does. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? God takes a guy from a shack and says, I'm going to have you help disturb white people. And then I'm going to take disturbed white people with you, and I'm going to take them to help people, and they think that they're helping people, but actually they're the ones getting helped. <laughs> it's like therapy going on a trip, because you, 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 you see... Um, anyway, I'm going to be careful. So it's, 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 very, it's very important, and I find that it's impossible to stay depressed if you're focused on others. Yes. If amen. you focus, if any of us focus on ourselves, I promise you, we could get ourselves depressed. I, I, if if you if you th if you sit here and torment yourself in your mind, you could make yourself anxious. Absolutely. You could think of enough things to scare you. You you could just give yourself a miserable day if you want to. But if you would focus on Jesus and focus on others, you would live a life that's just completely amen. and totally different. So anyway, to make a long story short, I get this word in 2019. And uh, we say yes to this word, and immediately the Lord opens up Africa. Like immediately, through Peter and through just a whole bunch of things. And so, you know, that's how we met Kyle. That's how we met Patrick. Brett it meets him in the context of going to Rwanda. That transformed his life. Him and Mary are adopting children, which those, they got to let those children go. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's got to break open. And, and so... This is, this is a chain of events that has changed, already has changed people's lives. And yesterday they had kind of like a soft opening of a 501c3 um, 
called Helping Giving Refugees, Refugees Hope International. Giving Refugees Hope International, which we're going to support the work that they're doing and they're creating space in the language for more. See, the, the first thing is, it was Giving Refugees Hope Uganda, which is cool, streamlined, clear. But now as it's growing, it's going to grow into Giving Refugees Hope. And then you're going to find out that there's, ref, there's people who are in more need, as you said, than refugees, and then it'll be giving hope. In our language, I want to give you something, I want to share something with you. In your language, you always have to make room for what God can do. Amen. And don't limit yourself with your language by what you can do. Many times, our language is the very thing that limits the things that God wants to do in your life. Not a good thing. You have to watch the words that you speak. Um, Proverbs says that you are ensnared by the words that you speak. Your words set a limit for your life. And so it's very important um, that we use language uh, that is kingdom, which we're going we're gonna to touch on that a little bit more because, as you know, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the overflow and out of the leftover, out comes our words and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna actually be as a church we're gonna be discussing this because when you're an ambassador of the kingdom you have to be very careful with your words because your words don't just represent you your words represent who you represent yes so you you cannot you cannot be loose with the lips and just say whatever you want to say you have to say what what does God say? When, when, you're, when, you, when you're speaking, you have to remember that you, you represent something bigger than yourself. So that's, that's, that's going to take time for people to recalibrate that because we celebrate people who just say whatever they want, but God doesn't celebrate that. The Bible says that a fool is known by his many words. Yes. A fool. So we, we have to learn to, to get, get a hold of this, which I think we just did a podcast on something like that, didn't we? We did. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday. So thank you, DK and Monica. God bless you. So anyway, um, all right, now. So now, this was, well, let me ask you this. The trip with Uganda, was that the first team that you received? You mean your trip? Yeah, like a missions team. No. No. Okay, so how many teams have you been receiving? Has this been a, a, a thing that you've been doing now? From 2019, I think I have gone in Uganda more, maybe six times or five times. You went or you received teams? Received teams. We went with teams. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So part of, part of the reason that we take teams is because the Bible says go. But there's also um, a tremendous blessing when you go. Yes. Uh, there's a blessing for those who serve and those who receive. And there's also a blessing for those who give. And together, we're better together. And so it was just a really, it, it was very, it was a delight for me, you know, to say that, like, how smooth the trip went was miraculous. Like, Patrick had the whole trip on lockdown. Like, wherever he spoke, people moved. And that's very important because whoever is your, your contact if when they speak, things don't move, you have the wrong guy. Um, if when they speak, things move, you have the right guy. And the right guy is very critical for you building a bridge and being able to work in different nations 
and communicate cross-culturally and minister cross-culturally and minister through culture and over culture and around culture and understand the different things that are happening that you don't understand that are happening that are happening and so th these are these are these are critical things that make something a success or not and um, short-term trips can have long-term impact yes. through long-term relationships so without a long-term relationship, short-term trips are really not as valuable. But with long-term relationships, um, they're really valuable. So what would you like to say in terms of just to people as it relates to coming on a trip and just the value on that? So it's, it's, as the pastor mentioned, it's a blessing for you to go into the mission trip more than the person whom you're going to help or serve. Uh, one of the things which I saw with this church, actually the church is not just these walls. I don't think that people come here and swear and do that. <laughs> the swearing and all that goes outside there. So the difference in a mission trip or in a church, it's the church which we serve is outside these walls. And I have to tell you this, I'm a testimony. I have seen this church you are really, really in a good hands. I had an opportunity to travel with your pastor. Now I call him my brother, my mentor, because of what I saw it with my own, my own eyes. One, I'll just give you a little bit of a countdown of just the small things which this church have impacted for people in Uganda, which is going to stay there, like that $20 which you had the lady provided in 1998 and I'm still remembering now. 51 women are in a training right now because of this church. Amen? That one means that these ladies are going to finish the training and serve and provide for themselves. They are not going to go and do things there to feed their kids. That's what the ministry does. That was, that was one of the results from the mission trip. One. Second, 47, pastor, you did follow up with the pastors in that church we gave, which we gave bucket. 47 people got saved in that mission trip. That means, that means the mission trip of eight days, seven days, which we spent in Uganda, 47 souls are not going to perish. That's so big. They are going to impact their neighbors. They are going to impact the church which they are going into. I had uh, like people who, uh, when we, uh, we, we heard the service, people did, uh, there was a healing which happened. I always say, uh, it's not, Jesus didn't come for many. He came for me, he came for you. If the, if the mission trip was just about those people who, got, who are in a training right now, it's worthy to be doing. There is a two ways of going in a mission trip. People always think it's just uh, riding the plane and leave, which is perfect. I would love to go with a big team. But even your resources, your prayers, you have gone even if you have stayed here in the United States. My trip, this is what really uh, surprised me with this church. Uh, in the morning of last year when I was here, I spoke with Brett. I was like, buddy, I need just to 
when I reach at the church, I need just, can we ask the pastor to talk a little bit of the sponsorship of the children? And here it was busy. If you need to receive, you need to give. That's a principle. So then we had a little bit of a, he had a talk. Can I, can I give a background story? Go ahead. So background story. We have a guest preacher in. He has to get paid. Some of you guys talk about free. We're not into free. <laughs> Most of the people that talk about free make more than 200000 a year talking about free. That's another story. I'll leave that alone. So we got to bless this guy who's in because he doesn't live for free. Right? So he's preaching. I live by faith. Some of you don't fully understand that. Like faith, faith. <laughs> like, so it's like small amount of people. He has to get paid. I have to get paid. The church has to get taken care of. And this guy is, is, is asking at literally the worst time. I'm just letting you into it so you see it because this is not something we talk about. We live this. I got a check in the mail this week. Not a ministry check. We got two personal checks this week. Two personal checks that don't even, stupid, don't even make any sense. Our mortgage went down. Our insurance went down. I can tell you, think, mortgages, insurance do not go down. <laughs> Just, I can tell you about the faithfulness of God. When I tell you that we live this, I'm telling you that we live this for real. So he asks at literally the worst possible time. But for God, if he's the source, there's no time like right now. If you believe that. So that's the context, because you have to understand the context. There's a, there's a context to it. Now, on any other time, that would be a, awesome. Let's do it. Sure. But, like, that's the worst time. But for God, it's, it's God. Great it's God who provides. <laughs> yep. And God provides big. So then, after the asking, I came here and I spoke with my heavy accent, which also you do to me. Uh, <laughs> so, and after just in a few minutes, we got 10 children got sponsored. What that one means, it means they are going to have a meal at school. They are going to have a right education, Christian education. Uh, and now they are living the dream because of that just I do, I, I, yes. So the mission trip, he's a God of a provider. I always, one time I was sitting in a plane uh, going in, uh, in a DC, and uh, I looked into my phone, I dropped the picture of the, the shark appeared. And I was like, Jesus, is it me? Or is it someone else? Then I remembered. God who, who provided for me that time can provide for your need right now, which you are going through. Amen? Amen. Amen? Yep. He's a God of a provider. 
you know, there is other things of just saying like, oh, he provided for this, he provided for that, he did this, he did that. On a 2020, Pastor Tashtina living in a faith. He's a faithful guy. He's a provider. In 2020, I was sitting in a plane in uh, Uganda had gone under lockdown, which was really worst for COVID-19. I don't know even why they did it, but anyway. <laughs> so I ended up ending in, in Addis. I looked on a ministry, uh, on a ministry account. There was $17, one seven. <laughs> I had left. Uh, by then, it was nine children into the children's home, which we needed to rent three units. At the end of the month, of course, the children needed to eat. In my head, I was like, wow, what am I going to do? When did I become stupid to go into these decisions of putting the children from the, from the refugee camp and ending them into the home with no plan? of feeding them, of raising them. But after a few minutes, you know, there is the worst enemy is not, is not your neighbor. It's not a person across you. It's your mind. It's our brain. The devil, that's where the devil stays. <laughs> then when we say yes to that staying, that's when we get so depressed. I started, I think I was depressed around almost for one, for one hour. You're hanging like, around white people too much. <laughs> You're getting depressed. <laughs> but, but I remember the one thing here. I said, the brain remembered that God provided for me a person who was living, like we used to sleep, everybody when we are going to roll, like going to to change, we used to talk to each other, even if it is a three in the morning. <laughs> Can we turn, then all of us we turn, because we are seven of us into that small shack. I say, if God provided for me there, now I paid the air ticket for 1300, 1300, when I was in Addis. Why do I fear that nine children, God is not going to take care of them? Why are you fearing of your life? He's a provider. Then I said this pastor, uh, I said in the ministry we never beg because God has everything. He has everything for me. He has everything for you. I put a positive message on, on, on Facebook. I'm like, it was a wonderful trip. Uh, the <laughs> children were doing really well and I believed it actually, by the way. I did put a link. After four hours, we had, I looked, there was $4,000 into the bank account. I never shared the need, but it was just a yes to the Lord as we went there singing. So, as the pastor mentioned, leave the gap of saying yes so that God can keep on providing for you. He's a provider. Even if you are sick, you know, I always, uh, find, I always find it so funny uh, when uh, the devil comes into the heart and even convinces us that we are ugly. Imagine. If you really you believe, if you really you believe that you are an image of God, 
What, what other confirmation do you need? There is no other confirmation which you need. I actually don't need someone tell me that I'm handsome because I know if I believe that I'm in the image of God, that's enough. Amen? Even yourself now, don't be fooled. Don't accept the messages which are coming outside and lying to your brain. You are who you are because God wants to you to be like that. And let us be happy about that one. I always do one thing here, uh, counting my blessing, counting your blessing. When you wake up and just look around yourself, I always I look at my wife, I'm like, wow, God, thank you so much. <laughs> I look at the kids. I look at the friends. I look for everything. I'm like, thank you, God. There is nothing which I have to complain. Then with that kind of attitude in the morning, you are going to be blessed with that. Yes. Yeah. Complaining is just, it's raining. You're not allowed to complain on our mission trips. Um, yeah, that's not a good thing. I hate complaining. Yes. What is it that you want to say? What? Yeah, it's, we're kind of in the middle of an interview. Yeah. What do you want to say? Come on. Amen. Amen. Let the Lord lead. Thank you. I just want to add one thing. Um, the first time I met Patrick, he came here and he was looking for support for, for girls. So, you know, I'm, I'm semi-retired, working part-time, and I walked up to him and he was showing the girls. So the Lord spoke to me and said, three. Gave me this number. I'm like, great. I thought, get behind me. This can't be God. So anyway, long story short, I just wanted to give this a quick testimony. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, so, so anyway, I, I said to him, okay, great. So I started uh, to um, you know, give to the girls and take care of these girls. All of a sudden, about a month or two later, I buy a car, and it drops dead. And I oh, I had to get the engine fixed. I needed 6,500. 6,500 out of my pocket to fix this car. What do I do? God provided the 6,500. I wanted to go on a missionary trip. My son posted my picture. God provided, Amen. paid the whole trip. So I just wanted to say that because, and the devil was telling me when my engine dropped dead, the first thing, forget about these girls. You could use that extra cash. I said, no way. I'm not doing that. So anyway, I just wanted to, thanks for letting me put that in there because it kind of like fit in. <laughs> so listen, you can never ask out your God. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's good. You know, and, and the thing is too, when I when, when I was young, I was making a ton of cash, a ton of money. And my kids, my younger son said to me, Dad, it really never was you. Mm. And I went, Oh, okay. And I always stuck in my head. It was always God. Never me. Anyway, God bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So when 
when you're doing well, you think you're the provider. Men. When the pressure comes on you for real, you learn God is a provider and you handle everything differently. This is very important. You know, that's, that's a very... If you think something is yours, you'll, you will mishandle it. If you understand it's God's, you will not mishandle it. The same way if I, if I give you something valuable and you know it's mine, you're gonna, the way you hold it is going to be different. So when, when God gives you resources or influence or favor, you need, you need to steward it well and not abuse it. Some people, they abuse favor or misuse it for their own self, for themselves. They, they have, so you, you have to not abuse the things that God does. Maybe God gives you access to people that are in a whole different world than you. You don't abuse that access. You, you, know, you have to learn how to steward the things that God gives you. Part of stewarding also, your testimony is sharing it. So he was sharing just about, my father was sharing just about the faithfulness of God and how when you give and when you trust the Lord in that area that he, he manifests himself and he, he, he demonstrates his faithfulness. It's important to always understand too that faith plus obedience equals testimony. And your testimony is the evidence of the reality of God in your life. Like there's nothing anyone could say to me to convince me otherwise of the things that I've seen and heard. Like, there's nothing you could say. Like, imagine going to a blind guy and telling him after he can see that Jesus isn't real. He'll laugh at you. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care how you respond to the testimony. He's living in it. You know, so when you live in the reality of what God has done, it gives you a confidence but not a confidence in you, a confidence in Him. Amen. See, self-confidence is self-sabotaging. Our confidence is in the Lord. It's in His faithfulness. It's not in, it's not in us. It's in Him. That's why we're, we're not saying what the world is saying. Like, I am self-sufficient. No, I'm not self-sufficient. His grace is sufficient. So we're, we're saying the opposite message, uh, you know, of the world. The total opposite. Um, so anyway, so is there anything else that you feel that would be important for you to express to the, to, to the people as it relates to participating with, with the mission of God in their life? Because you and your wife have said yes, and... So there's a level of favor and blessing on that. And so is there anything that you would want to communicate to the people about that? One of the other things, once you finish to say yes, as I mentioned, God provides. He does provide even in relationship-wise, provides in uh, connecting you with the right people, uh, I still, there is one thing which I was amazed on the mission trip which we had. The level of care which I saw with the pastor towards the team. Every time at the end of the, the day, he used to call me or talk to me, 
in regards of making sure that whoever is in a mission trip, he's, he's doing well. Pastor, thank you so much. It was really something which touched myself. I learned a lot about how someone can care beyond even when, when, when even sitting in a van. He used to be the last person to come inside the van. Eating, everything. That, that really touched my heart. May God bless, bless the calling and bless the church. The other thing here they, they touched on uh, for the ministry. I have no doubt that you are here for purpose of God. You are not here just to fill the chairs or to do anything. God purposefully set you here. But you have to say yes to what is going on in your heart. There is a big thing which normally comes in our heart when we're in a church. We always say that when this thing changes, then I start working on this. No, that's a devil of, of devil. That's a voice <laughs> of the devil. When you hear God asking you, do this, mop, mop the church, or invite someone to come at the church, go to the mission trip, please say yes. Once you finish to say yes, God is going to provide. I actually had one, one my brother-in-law one time uh, came to me, was like, you're really a big waster. Why do you keep on taking tickets and go all over the world? God can provide for those guys. I said, you know what? God who calls us, he will always fulfill. I have traveled with in a comfortable life because God is a, is a, is a provider. So I have no doubt that even the refugees home, and it's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity for you to be asked to give. You are not giving from your money. You are giving for what God gave you. It's like a child. Like, I can't even imagine when a, a child, you give a child like two candies, and you ask, and the, the child refuses. That's how we look like when we are asked to, to give and we say no, yet we own nothing. I always tell my wife that we own nothing. We own nothing. Whatever we have, it's for God. And God is going to keep on providing for us. Uh, I don't know about the time-wise, uh, but... Uh, Eternal. Eternal. <laughs> Amen. African time. African, that's right. <laughs> Uh, one thing which I wanted to touch on, it's marriage. Devil is after our marriage. We have to understand this big. Because when a marriage does not work, our community does not work, then our country does not work out. He will always attack through the marriages. Yep. And that's, that's a big obstacle in the ministries, outside in the community. Devil is attacking our marriage. But it's always nice to know when you know the enemy. If I, if I know that there is a stone here, there is no way I'm going to sleep on it. I have to go aside of it. One of it is to clear our brain. 
to clear our brain in one thing. Let us be positive. Let us be kind to our partners in terms of listening. Let us listen well. We are not going to teach love out to the people in the world, yet we can't practice it into our, our, our life. That's right. Amen? Yep. Amen? It's got to be real at home or if it's not real. The first sin is a marriage communication issue. <laughs> so when you, like, when you look at it, like communication issues are actually big issues. Um, businesses rise and fall. Families break up. Actually, communication is a big issue. Um, so that's awesome. I, I want to say that I wanted to create space for you to express yourself. And this is why. People who say yes to the Lord consistently, not yes, no, yes here, yes there, no tomorrow, yes. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yes. People who, who make a, have a consistent yes, the Lord cultivates things within that person's heart that need to be expressed to God's people. The same way bitterness defiles someone, a yes beautifies people. It, 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 is, it is something that allows space for people to step into what God has for them when you say yes. Like when you step up, when you step out, it allows someone else to step up. So this is, this is something that we're, this is very important because we're a church that is about equipping leaders. You can never equip people that you don't create space for. If you never step out, people can't step up. And then you have the same people doing all the same thing all the time. And, and it's, that's not God's heart and it's not the best. So it's important that people learn how to step out in faith. Now, this is something important, too, for your marriage, because as you step out, your wife has to step up. Some of you, there will not be growth until you step out. And it's never convenient to step out. But stepping out is the thing that creates space for other people to step up and for other people to grow. This is, this is important. It's happening. So that's encouraging. I want to read you a scripture since we're in church. That would be a, a really important thing. Hebrews 11 um, is the story of our heritage and faith. I know that you, know, you heard about all your generational curses and we repent of things we never did for 300 years ago. And they got all these people suffering from white guilt. Uh, you got a whole bunch of people that are really confused about everything, saying sorry for things they've never done. But no one will tell you that your faith, that, that Hebrews 11 is, is part of your family heritage. You know, this is, this is our family. We are grafted into Abraham's family in Jesus Christ. I don't know if, you, if you're getting that. I, do you, I don't know if you believe that, but this is part of your lineage. This is what we have been brought into. This is good news, I don't, especially if you have a crazy family. This is good news. Like, like these are, this, is, this is part of your heritage and faith. These are the people that said yes to the Lord. These are our family. 
Jesus came and he redefined everything. But one of the first things that he redefined was food and family. He said, my, my, my bread is to do the will of him who sent me. What brings sustenance to my life is obedience. And then he redefined family. He said, family is those who do the will of my father. Not those who believe the will of my father. Not those who pray the will of my father. Not those who sing about the will of my father. Those who do the will of my father, that's my family. So Hebrews 11 is all these people who are actually a part of our family. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now faith is the substance. One of the words for substance is the word project. Faith is a project. I don't know if you're with me. (laughs) Have you ever been on a construction site? So there's a whole bunch of things that are happening and that need to happen in a specific order. Like you have to put the plumbing in the walls and the electric in the walls before you close the walls. Or if not, you're going to have to rip the walls open and do everything over. So every time we don't do things in order... What happened? The whole thing, the project is on pause. And then we're mad at the general contractor, but it's not the general contractor. It was the electrician who was in a rush. It was the, 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 the sheetrocker who just did his thing and didn't care. So many times, this is important, we're in a rush for something. Instead of focusing on the order of something, we're trying to get something done and it winds up having to be redone. Many times we have to do something over because we didn't do it right the first time. You don't want to build a legacy like that. You may have made a mistake. Fine. Don't do it again. It's not about shame. It's not about guilt. But it's about, okay, you learn from that. From that pain, get wisdom. From that mistake, gain wisdom. And don't do what you did before again. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. So wherever there's real faith, there's real substance, and it's the substance of that faith that produces an evidence. When you, when you go to court, evidence is a part of the testimony. So without real evidence, you have no testimony worth listening to. So without a test, there's no testimony. If you don't pass the test, there's no testimony. So in passing the test, there's a testimony. So faith plus obedience equals a testimony. So I have faith. Faith is rooted in what God has said, not what I feel. I didn't go to Uganda because I felt like going to Uganda. I went to Uganda because I made a commitment to go to Africa and I said I'm going. So it's not about I feel it, I don't feel it, one day I'm up, one day I'm down, one day I want to do what I want, the next day I want to do what God wants. It's about saying yes living above your feelings, living by faith, and then what happens is your feelings, when your feelings align with your faith, you're happy. But what happens is if you try to get your, your feelings to align with your faith, instead of lining your faith with your feelings, you'll be all over the place. I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like it tomorrow. I feel like it tomorrow. It doesn't matter what we feel like. 
Real life is not about your feelings. I know that, you know, people, you know, but in reality, it's, it's not about that. And, and until we learn that, we're in a very immature and unstable place. Until you learn that your feelings are not the governor of your life, you, you'll be in a, in, a, in a bad place. You'll be one of his patients. <laughs> so anyway, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of uh, things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. So real faith causes someone to obtain a good testimony. This is why it's much more important to focus on your character than your reputation. Many people focus on their reputation, focus on character. Let your character speak of your reputation. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to manage all that when you're actually solid. That's, that's, just be solid. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So faith brings us into a place of understanding. I don't understand and then have faith. You're not going to talk anyone into Faith. They will believe themselves into understanding. You're not going to talk them into understanding because you're talking to a spirit. You're talking to a spirit of unbelief, which is the thing that tries to talk to us and tries to talk us out of what God told us to do. The spirit of unbelief. That's, that's what many people, and then unbelief makes you unstable and you're double-minded back and forth, back and forth, instead of being solid and steady. God's heart for us is that we would be anchored in faith and hope and love and that our roots would go down and that we would be settled and that we would be stable in a community and in a culture where everyone is all over the place all the time. You're steady, solid, and, and not movable. The Bible calls us to be immovable in the work of the Lord. Immovable. Immovable. Not so... So not pushed around by every wind, every doctrine, every trend, everything, every new thing, but immovable. Focus on the work of the Lord, anchored in the word of the Lord, and just moving forward in the kingdom. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, as though it being dead still as though him being dead still speaks. So his blood still speaks. The first murder was over a tithe. The first homicide was over a tithe. That's an act of worship. That's an act of trust. That is also rooted in honor. See, Abel honored his father. How do I know that Abel honored his father? Because Abel offered what his father was wearing. It was God that clothed Adam and Eve. The first fashion designer is God. That's a fact. You can fact check me. God is the first fashion designer. He clothed them with animal skins. What does his son offer? An animal. What does the other son offer? The fruit of the ground that's cursed. Honor is an act of worship. When Patrick came in today, I gave him a shirt. 
Why? That's an act of honor. We have to learn how to be people of honor. When you sow honor, you reap honor. This is very big. Do you want to be honored in your life? Like people to celebrate who you are, to champion who you're becoming, to encourage you, to help you? Then be a person of honor. Because if you sow honor, it's impossible not to reap honor. Think of the, think of the Queen of Sheba, and then I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. The Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. King Solomon had more money than her by far. No money. A lot more money. He didn't need anything. She came, listened to his wisdom, and were like, yo, blessed are your servants who stand before you and listen to you and serve you. And she gave him a stockpile of stuff. People, church people like, he doesn't need that. He's a pastor. He doesn't need that. Why did he do that? She gave out of honor. Not out of need. Many people can only give out of need. They don't understand honor. That, that's why you'll see who, who's really with you when you go full time. And you're not free. Everything's free, free, free. You'll see. The same way we learned who was with us when we went to the morning service. Y you don't know who's with you until you go through something. Y you don't really know who's, who's really with you until you, you have to. But it's all right. God will be faithful to you. You know that. So I'm encouraged for Patrick because Patrick has a pure heart. And, and to us, the number one prerequisite for people that we love and, and really partner with. We love everyone can be unpure, but, but the people that we partner with, you have to have a pure heart. You have to be looking for God in every situation, seeking the kingdom first in every situation. Where, where, is, where is God in this situation? Because not, I'm not just seeking God when I turn my phone off and cry and rehearse my prayer list to God. I, I, I'm seeking God when there's a situation that I'm like, okay, um, I don't know where your hand is in all this, but I trust you when I can't trace you. Help me see what you're doing so I can partner with you in this. That's also a part of seeking God. Seeking God is not just singing the same five worship songs that we sing every week. Seeking God is, is also about asking God, God, in this situation, where are you and what do I need to do? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe, you know, but asking God, God, where are you in this situation? Where, where do you, how do you feel about what I'm doing? How do you feel about, and, and just ask him because it's important to get his perspective so you know how to move forward. You know, that, that's like what I, what I, I had this sense this morning that I know that we're really late, but I, I had this sense this morning that God wanted to allow room for expression, for Patrick to express himself because I sense that there's supposed to be a significant relationship and when you when you create space for someone to express themselves what it what it does is it begins to foster trust next year hopefully maybe there'll be a team in burundi Man. i don't know but i i'm willing you know i'll go virtually anywhere Man. you know so um we're gonna we're gonna be right now there's tanzania kenya with mike braun there's so many open doors for us to step through. There's too many already, and it's only starting. So I want you to ask God. This, this is what I'm asking of you. We're not into manipulation. We're not into shakedowns. 
I am asking you to ask God, God, how would you have me to participate? Amen. And just do what he says. I trust him. Just, just do what he says. So ask him, how would you want me to participate in what you want to do? Because there's lots of opportunities. There's lots of needs. There's lots of open doors. But ask the Lord, how is it that he would like you to participate? What is it that he wants you to do? Because I can't do what, what, what God has called Kyle to do. Kyle can't do what God has asked me to do. We have to just say yes to the Lord and then embrace that journey and support one another and encourage one another in that process. All right? So I was going to open this thing up for questions, but it's just really too late. It's not, you got to get a flight to catch, literally. And, and so it's just, it's, just, it's just too late. But I, I want you to close us in prayer and if there's any final remarks that you want to say that are in your heart, I want you to have the complete freedom to say them. Amen. Yeah, before I, I pray, I, I just want to say thank you, guys, for the, for, the, for the call of saying yes to what God have done and is going to do into your life. The other thing I know here, it's a, the other thing which consider praying for the this time of, of Christmas, because of that $20 I mentioned, which were given, it's a time which my family, which we try to help other refugees to have something to eat into the refugee camp. We had, uh, I was just talking to her that this time we are just going to pray so that 100 families can be able to have a meal on, during Christmas time. We calculated like per family is like $80. But it's a God who provides. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. I will encourage you big and big time to do these mission trips. Either Belize or anywhere God calls you to go. If he calls you to come in Tanzania, to come to go in Uganda, in Burundi, I have no doubt when you come back, you will be a changed person. You will see things in a different perspective. This mission trip is not about blessing your pastor or blessing a person whom you are going to serve. Yep. It's blessing you who is traveling. It's blessing you who is sowing into so that others can be able to, to go. Yeah. I always, every time when I take a mission trip, when I'm sitting inside the plane, and the devil hates it, really, really hates it. <laughs> the moment you plan to travel, he's going to bring a million things to stop you. One of it will be your brain to just change and start being a maniac, giving you all the information, the false one, you start consulting Google, you're going to get sick, you're going to die, you're going to do that. <laughs> You can even die with an accident outside here. That's right. Uh, so, but refuse those voices. Those are not true. Those are not true. Beautiful. You can die when you are here, just drop and dead, as well as in a refugee camp. God can call me anytime. There is nobody who has your calendar. No, it's only God who knows that time. But now the thing which we have to ask ourselves, are you doing what God created you to do? Are you limiting yourself? 
Let us check ourselves all the time and say, okay, God, am I really serving the way? It will be really sad when you reach on that point when you're about to go and you say, I wish I could have traveled. No, you can't travel already, you're in a bed. It's done. Let us catch the time. This is the time to act. This is the time yep. in action. Yep. Let me pray. One, one thing. Yes. Leonard Ravenhill, the famous writer who wrote the book When Revival Tarries, he, there's a quote that he says that you must seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of that opportunity. So allow the Lord to cultivate a yes in your spirit because there are things that come to you in life, opportunities, divine opportunities, favor. Maybe a situation turns in your favor that if you're prepared for could set you up on a whole different trajectory. If you say yes and you lay hold of that. There are times where God gives someone strategic financial advice where he says, do this, do that, do this. And, and you do something and you don't realize what he just told you. He just set you up for the next 20 years, but you couldn't see it in that moment. So whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relational, seize the opportunities that God gives you. Don't let them pass you by. Hungry people, as you know this, Yes. Hungry people will never let food pass them by. When you're hungry for the things of God and what God has and what He wants, you're hungry and that appetite will not allow you to let something that is for you pass you by. Don't, don't, don't let things just go by that are for you. Lay hold of them in Jesus' name. Uh, the opportunity of saying yes, if I could not have said yes, to just talk to the person who was wondering, and myself, I was wondering at the airport. That's when we met Kyle. I could not have been sitting here. If I could not have said yes, we could not have had this five days honeymoon with my wife at Brett's house. The, the bread and breakfast. So let us say yes on the opportunity when we get the opportunity to serve. Dear God, I call you God this afternoon, God. May you see each and everyone into this service and those ones who are following in line, God. Your plan to us is bigger than what we, what we can imagine, what we can ever, ever able to think. I show you any, everyone who is here, you know our need more than what we could even imagine. You are God who provided me in a camp. I show those ones who are sick, you are a doctor of other doctors. May you heal them, God. I show you those ones who are in financial problems. You are a provider. You provided for Amy. Now she owns a business in Uganda. God, you can provide it for those ones who need the cash now, God. God, I pray for those ones who are going to travel in a mission trip. May, you, may your protection be on you. Those ones who are going to stay, God, bless them. Bless their families. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Woo! Yeah. So we want to be a blessing to Patrick. So if you're going to give today, give a little extra. We're going to honor him uh, just to be a blessing to him. Um, if you want to give, you can go to rescuechurch.tv slash donate. Or you can give on Zelle at 201 five six two six three three five and so we're gonna i'll send you a paypal but we just want to be a blessing to him so thank you guys we love you
Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.